0: hey family we are back with another episode of the take one podcast as i shared last week we are doing a series of rebroadcasts Um, as we take just a mini break we'll be back in february with brand new episodes Um, but we thought it would be great to start off the year talking about spiritual disciplines Um, again this is also referred as contemplative practices or just intentional time with god this is part two with Alison Bradsher, who's uh, actually right now a spiritual director. At the time, she had just finished um, a two-year program at Moody Bible Institute. You also know her as your Sunday school teacher. Um, But we go a little bit deeper into how to spend time with God in our families, in our everyday life, even when things are busy. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Spiritual Disciplines Part Two with Allison Bradsher.
1: Hey, Peter, would you schedule uh you know the woman at the well for me uh. <laughs> on, take one baby
0: all right, you all. We are back with take one podcast, and I'm so happy we're doing part two of a wonderful conversation we had last week and Allison, if you could just Introduce yourself again. She's so humble, y'all. She just said like some basic facts about her, but she did this amazing program. So, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: Um, sure. I, for the last two years, have been a part of a training program in spiritual formation and spiritual direction through Moody Bible Institute. Um, a woman named Nancy Kane was a is a professor of spiritual formation at Moody. And she created this two-year program to dive into formation. And I was interested in the program because I desired to walk with other people. I noticed that uh, I often was listening to other people in their life with God. And I wanted to know more about how to point people to Christ and how to listen well. And God really surprised me through... The program that he really wanted me to take a look at my own life and my own journey. So I went into it thinking I want to be there for others and yeah. God was like this is actually about you and your healing mm-hmm. and it was incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, that's Allison, y'all. She led us through a wonderful practice last week and we talked about spiritual disciplines. Um, and it's just so happens that we also have Richard Reeves here, our lead pastor, and he talked about Sabbath this past Sunday, yeah. which is a spiritual discipline. Um, and so I want to just talk about, uh, one thing we want to address. We did not address from last week, but some Christians would say like, this is just a trend. This is a fad. Like, this is like new Agey liberalism. We, just, whatever you want to call it like what would you say to people that are just like this is just you know something quick that'll leave
1: yeah yeah well I'm probably a good one to answer that because I am the chief skeptic of (laughs) anything new um and yet as I have processed um the practices over you know the last few years really um I do believe it is essential in this moment um and central for all times and you know some talk about the rule of life i'm reading a book now that i highly recommend by john mark calmer called the ruthless elimination of hurry and uh and that's really where he leads is to uh, a rule of life which is basically structuring your day around um meeting with god and um you know i think maybe another way to talk about it is sabbath um you know i preached isaiah 56 57 and um literally three times in chapter 56 he talks about how sabbath is the element of the children of god i mean this is you know it almost sounds like well practice the sabbath and god will save you (laughs) but no it's that is coming to god with who you are and accepting him and his grace and his mercy um that is the way that is faith and so um you know i think that what we need to understand is that sabbath rest is not a day Um, but it's a lifestyle, it's a means. Jesus said, follow me, take my yoke, and his yoke was a way of life. Um, It's take my rhythms of life, take my way of life, follow me. And we think about Jesus, and he was never in a hurry, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, and he was never rushed. And, you know, we can't imagine him saying, you know, hey, Peter, would you schedule... uh, you know the woman at the well for me uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> call my Great. assistant peter that's right and uh no he always had time and uh he was never in a rush even when um you know the soldiers or the uh, captain's uh, daughter was dying he's like he said please come 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 and he wouldn't get in a hurry it's like I- i'm coming i'll be there just trust me and mm-hmm. So I think this whole lifestyle of capturing space in every day, in, in every hour, and every making that, you know, replacing hurry with space for God and really connecting our souls to Him and, and drawing Him deep in our lives and processing all of life uh, through Him, that's what we're called to. And that's really, you know, what the practices are used for. There are means to that. So.
2: And like you said, we're following Jesus and the -hmm. rhythms that he had. And he certainly had rhythms of solitude Mm -hmm. and silence and prayer. And so many times after, um, his active life, after he had taught or healed, he would go away to a lonely place or he would Mm -hmm. stay up all night and pray, or he would tell his disciples, y'all go ahead and I'm going to go up on this Mm -hmm. hill or mountain. Um, so he certainly had those contemplative rhythms that were part of his, um life with
0: God as well as the active things we saw him doing
2: yeah mm, that's good a
0: good point so yeah so we're talking about spiritual rhythms so how can we do this in any season of life right because there are some like you know just if somebody just had a baby or <laughs> they're trying to like just get rest or to the college student to you know even to children like what would you say how can we all create these spiritual rhythms in our in our lives Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think busyness and hurry are certainly things that distract us from these pockets of space. I also think that we have discomfort and fear around creating space. And so learning to hold space is something we have to practice. Nobody has to teach us how to fill space. And even when we think we're very busy, there are pockets of time. There always are. And we actually avoid them. Mm -hmm. So even in the busiest seasons of life, and I have had busy seasons of life, there are pockets. And if we look for them, God will help us see them. And if they're 10 minutes, that's okay. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed thinking it needs to be hours, it needs to be a weekend, and those are good. But we can also look for small pockets. Mm-hmm. And I noticed this avoidance that we have, this discomfort that we have with stillness and with space in my children. Um, they we were recently down at the beach for spring break. And they were just always asking, what's the next thing we're gonna do? Mm -hmm. And whether we were at the beach, they'd say, I'm ready to go back to the camper. Or we're at the camper and they'd say, I'm ready to go back to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized they are feeling bored, like they don't wanna be bored. Mm. And they were feeling any bit of space that opened up in what they were doing or what they were thinking about or what they were playing. And they immediately wanted to fill it. Mm -hmm. No one has to teach us to do that. Mm. And so I told them, Yeah, I think y'all are feeling bored when you feel that feeling of, I have nothing to do. I have nothing to think about. And there's empty space. I want you to try to just be with it. I want you to try to get comfortable with that feeling. If it feels bad, that's okay. And it was really, it was pretty incredible because my oldest, um, who follows directions, and so she's going (laughs) to do what I asked her to do, she was, we were out on the beach one night and I could tell, you know, she was getting bored and she's just kind of looking at the water and she starts to cry. Mm. And I went over to her and I said, hey, are you okay? And she said, I don't know why I'm crying. Mm. And I said, it's because you left space Mm. for that to come up and that's okay and that has happened to me before mm-hmm. when i leave space that tears come and i don't know why and so i knew how she felt and so i think there's also some discomfort around leaving space so we avoid it as well as the fact that we're that we're busy so we have mm-hmm. to look for it we have to take things out in order to create the space we have to take things out of our calendar we have to take things out of our thoughts out of our um, active lives but then we have to hold that space open Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and be with it whatever comes and be with that discomfort yeah Yeah, that's good
1: yeah it's really amazing how negative feelings or what you assume are negative feelings like anxiety worry Mm -hmm. fear How, when you sit with that, which I've been doing a lot lately, is instead of pushing through, turning the TV on, turning, as I Mm -hmm. said, Sunday ESPN radio on (laughs) in the car, but really sitting in it and taking it to God. You know, God, what am I fearing? And allowing His bigness, you know, or His love, you know, if I'm anxious, you know, Him coming to me with those loving eyes and, you know, outstretched arms. You're not alone, Richard. You know just the reality of that is uh, but the only way to get there the only way to experience that deeply is to sit in it <laughs> and to really look at okay I'm anxious because I'm human and I'm really approaching this as if I want to be God I want control
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes
1: and I'm not in control I can't control the outcome mm-hmm. but I serve one that does and he will come in this space and he will call me and that that's life changing, um, and you just think about it. if you listen to every emotion like that, uh, and you really—that's <laughs> revolutionary. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, good. that's really what contemplative practices are inviting us to: mm. is to let go yeah. of control. And I think that's why they're so uncomfortable. Oh yeah, <laughs> is because we want to manage God. I mean, even when we come into prayer, we've got our agenda.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And when we create space through silence, removing words, or through stillness, removing action, or through solitude, removing other people, and we create that space, then we offer it to God. Mm. And so we're not seeking anything when we come to it. We're not seeking a special insight. We're not seeking um, an image or words. We're not seeking even to avoid words we're basically saying i let go of this time i offer it to you and what do you want to bring up for me and that has been the most meaningful part of these practices for me is to not come in with an agenda mm. to not come yeah. in with my litany of prayer requests to not come in with well i hope you know that god gives me some wisdom about xyz but to come in with my participation is to create the environment and god will do the rest and sometimes he brings something up for me to sit with and sometimes he doesn't but that letting go of control is Mm -hmm. something that we really have to notice about ourselves that we default to control and that it feels very uncomfortable to really give time over to god because we don't know what's going to happen
1: right
0: yeah, I think that's so interesting that you're just like, we don't come with an agenda. And because I know some people are just like, it doesn't work for me. Like what, you know, insert whatever, mm, yeah, whatever practice, like it doesn't work for me. And it's just like, well, it's not, you know, <laughs> right. you're not controlling it. You're not like trying to squeeze out this whatever. It's just like, we're offering this time to God. And yeah, I, I do. I definitely have like taking some time with God and thought I was okay and started crying and then been like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. God. And you know, but mm-hmm. like, I do think in, in our culture of busyness, we just get so busy doing, we're feeling these feelings, but we just like quickly turn them off. And then they end up coming up like in the worst time or, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like you're going off about, you know, dirt or something. Right, <laughs> and it's just right. like, where's all this, all this anchor from? And mm-hmm. a lot of times we haven't processed certain emotions, you know, or right. giving them to God or giving the situation to God because I'm not in control, just all of those things. So that's just great stuff. Um, so I'm going to you did talk a little bit about your daughter, but how do we like raise up the next generation to be doing these things? So how can how can parents create these spiritual rhythms with their children? You know, even if they have like a shorter attention span or whatever, like how do you how do you make this like a way of life for your family?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I want to first say that I have plenty of moments where I'm impatient with my kids. So I'm about to tell you the highlights of my parenting. So don't think I'm a special person. I have yelled at them. I have been short with them. um, So I'm not a perfect parent by any means. But I do have a desire for them to have these things and for them to have these rhythms in their life. So I think some of the things that I've um, tried to be aware of, one is just that they see it in my life, Mm -hmm. that it's normal to them when they see me in the morning that I'm up and spending time either in prayer or quiet or scripture, that they see me doing those things, that they see me sitting outside and looking at the sky and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And that I help them notice, look at these colors, look at these birds, um, that they see those things. I also wanna expose them to lots of different tools. Mm-hmm. And so they are, they are going to get um, Bible stories, they're gonna get Bible memory, they're gonna get a lot of that in our tradition. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things though, I want to expose them to a prayer labyrinth That doesn't mean we go walk a prayer maze every week, but it means they know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so they've had some exposure to some of these things. So as they grow and their life with God grows, that they have some familiarity. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't, we don't do it all the time, but they know what it is. Um, and then the last thing is just helping them to slow down and create space and notice God, Mm. I noticed the other day that one of my sons was being really kind to his brother. That's not always the case, so (laughs) I noticed it. And I said something to him later, hey, I noticed you were being really kind. How did that feel to you? And he said it felt good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, good night, have a good night's rest. Like I just wanted him to stop and notice, how does it feel to be kind? and to notice that he liked that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so just helping them to reflect and helping them to create space, to be bored, to sit with uncomfortable feelings are things that I try to encourage and just mm-hmm. point out to them as it's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. How about you, Richard? Do you have anything to add or...?
1: Um. Oh. You know, um, uh, probably not. (laughs) Let's, uh, you know, well, the whole idea of, um, yeah, I mean, what keeps coming back to me, and I think what most of our listeners struggle with is probably what I struggle with, and that is how can I go from the life I'm living to the life that we're talking about, and and I think this is a, an essential topic right now as we, you know, a year of COVID, a year of isolation, a year of recreating everything we do, um, a year of feeling judgment and insecure, and am I doing it right, am I not doing it right, criticism, um, but I think that this is really the time. I mean, I think depression is probably at its highest. Um, I've, I'm hearing of more suicides than I've heard of in, in a bit. and Um, And I think we've really got to look hard at our lives and make some deep changes. Um, You know, know, another, the reality is every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. And so there's, it's, we have lived a certain rhythm to get the anxiety, the worry, the frantic, to get what we're getting. Um, You know, people are drinking too much, watching too much, just all of those things. Uh, We have been working the system. So... Does Jesus have a better system? Does he have a better way? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we all need to really slow down and go, this is, yeah, this is not a fad. This is something that we really need to connect with. Because if we're not connecting with God, we're missing the entire feast, the entire, the the whole purpose of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I, I think we have to listen to this and we have to begin to make changes And what kind of people would we be? I think we'd be much more attractive to the world if we were known as a people that really connected deeply with God um, and knew God. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah.
0: So with that, we're in the season of Lent right now. uh, And I just wanted to, what are some practical ways that we can all be preparing our hearts leading up to Easter?
2: Yeah, I love the season of Lent. I haven't always loved it. I haven't always practiced it. Mm. Um, But it's the season 40 days and a few Sundays plus before Easter when you take something out of your life in order to create space to be with Christ in his journey, to be a friend to Jesus, and just to notice what God wants to do in you, um, during that time and so it's not really a cute little challenge it's mm-hmm. not like let's see mm-hmm. if I can do this mm-hmm. yeah. for this many days mm-hmm. I usually spend time before Lent asking God what you would have me to give up yeah. Lord and so it's important to to think of it as something you do with God not something you do for God Wow. Mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't even know why the lord kind of put something on my heart. I had one year where I felt like the lord was asking me to give up helping people, doing things for people. <laughs> and I said, "Okay, I'm going to give up being there for others."
0: <laughs> basically, Enneagram and 2. Yeah. That's right, that's right.
2: Yeah. And the first day of Lent, I went to pick my twins up from P.D.O. and their P.D.O. teacher had broken her arm. And all I could think was, I've got to take her a meal. She has a broken arm. God, maybe I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> and surely you didn't know that she was gonna have, you know, <laughs> I, I need to take her a meal and then I'll start this process. And I felt like the Lord was like, no, 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 no. I knew this would happen the first day. Yeah. You can do this, don't do anything for her. Mm-hmm. And what came up for me was that impulse that I have to do things for people um, to get their affection. So when I sat with it longer, I realized this, I, did not, I didn't think this PDO teacher liked me. I mean, I, I could feel it like the whole year long. She would kind of have like bad reports about the kids and, I, and so I knew taking her a meal was really about me trying to get her to like me. Wow, yeah. And so that space that was created in my life, God used to show me this is a part of you, um, that's compulsive. And when you made space, you could see that you were really operating out of that part of yourself that feels separate from God. Um, and so, and it gave more space in those 40 days to sit with the Lord, to not be doing stuff for other people. And so we create that space to see what God wants to do with it. And Jesus made that space for God's will and for Mm -hmm. God's love Mm -hmm. Mm. to overpower him and consume him. Mm -hmm. And so we follow him in that. We follow him to opening up as much as we can to God's will, to God's love. And we sort of walk that walk with Jesus towards, towards the cross as, as a friend to Christ. Yeah. That's
1: good. Wow. That's good. Yeah, I think that that space, you know, I, my thoughts go back to Sabbath of um, Deuteronomy 5.15, where it's not just a day off, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, it's, it's to cease work, but for a purpose. And Deuteronomy 5.15 um, says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, but God delivered you by his outstretched arm. And for New Testament believers, it's literally Sabbath is creating that space a day if you want to just say sabbath day but really as a way of life spaces where you are genuinely remembering and marveling at the reality that christ lived died rose is coming again Mm -hmm. and that is power for whatever you're facing um, you know in in a, a real way and that's how to drink in the beauty of god and the life of god it's to remember in very practical ways that i'm not an orphan i'm not alone i'm adopted through the finished work of jesus i've been delivered and um yeah that's power
0: yeah. So. all right so i'm going to switch gears a little bit but not really uh this is really connected but um richard you were talking about in your sermon how that inward life, that time that we're spending with God really does like pour out into our actions in the yeah. world. Cause I, I don't want people to get this idea that it's just like, we are just like staying in our houses, right. you know, doing these practices and communing with God. Um, Cause there's there's really no way you can commune with God that way and it not affect the way you live. So how, how do these things play out in our like everyday actions in our communities um, with our families? How like, how does it all play out?
1: Yeah, let me just hit that real quick, because in that passage, and I had never seen this before, um, but in Isaiah 56, um, it it begins with calling us to a life of justice and righteousness. And and then God says, keeping the Sabbath. And I thought, what in the world? I mean, in, in our experience, those involved in justice issues, you know, are the most worn out. You know, those working for nonprofits statistically are just tanking and so what does sabbath have to do and really and, and alice and i talked about this too um a couple a month or so ago but um she opened my eyes to that reality and made the connection but of this passage but and that is there is no way to be connecting with god deeply and him not be dealing with the idols of self-centeredness in our lives and turning our hearts toward our neighbor because the the soil that god is trying to produce in our lives is the fruit of the spirit love joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's focused on relationship with others. So it has everything to do. If we're not doing justice out of Sabbath, then it's unrighteous. (laughs) And it is going to kill us. Um, And so a life of connecting with God will lead us to our neighbor and will lead us to love and will lead us to a life of justice. That's the whole idea.
2: Yeah, and I think that we... Uh, I think Thomas Merton says, we do violence against ourselves when we, our busyness sort of kills that inner peace and kills that inner connection to God as the source of our being and our life. And so we can do a lot of activity Mm. disconnected. And so what is our source when we're doing that? It is ourselves and it is our ego and it is our sense of, I want to be liked or I want to achieve, or I want to acquire. And so we can do things in the world that are not from that grounded place, and that's when we burn out. But as we connect to this inner reality, then what we do in the world is from that place and from that source, and we're cooperating and collaborating with God and with His Spirit in us and His Spirit in the world. Um, so I think we must make time for that space in order to be active in the world. And I really believe that contemplative practice is the path to unity. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because as we are all connected in a deeper inner way to God, we are all moving towards the same point. Yeah. So I've I've heard it described as like a wagon wheel, the center being God, if we're all spending time connecting to that center, we're inevitably moving closer to each other, and we're all caught up in the same great reality, and that unites us together. And so we connect to that within ourselves, um, and that
0: affects how we are with each other good that's so good so uh we do want to leave some time for you to do another practice uh but before we end our time what resources and or books would you suggest to someone and richard if you want to say that book again (laughs) you definitely can i actually downloaded it on on kindle and just started it and it is amazing Um, but in addition to that book what else would you recommend (laughs)
1: Me or Allison? Uh, you go
0: Allison. ahead because you, oh, okay. you already have the. the yeah, I mean, hurry. I had yeah,
1: definitely uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer. I think was a great starting point, point. Um, and then the deeply formed life by Rich Valados is a new book, um, and he deals in his first chapter about uh, with the practices, um, not in depth, but there's a study guide if you Google it. There's a study guide free that gives a little bit more detail on it. So those are the two books right now that. Um, I would highly recommend.
2: Yeah, the only one I would add, there's many out there, yeah. <laughs> but Ruth Haley Barton has a book, Sacred Rhythms, mm-hmm. and it's really foundational rhythms, and she makes it really accessible. And she's from our tradition, so she understands um, just coming at these feeling kind of like a beginner. Mm-hmm. And she makes it to where you can practice it, practice it in a group, practice it with a friend, have, um, have been good ways for me to dig into some of those is through
0: her book and each chapter is, is a different practice, so. Yeah, okay. well, that's great. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and get you started as well uh, and do another practice. So Allison, I'll let you take it from here. Okay. Well,
2: I'll tell you how this practice came to be real quickly. I was um, witnessing a group of believers being unkind to a fellow believer based on a difference in theology, and it made me really angry at first, Um, and when I sat with that anger, what ended up coming up was that I was really sad, I was really sad um, for the way that we can divide over theology. And I felt God pointing me to the passage on the dry bones. He said, go look at Ezekiel and the dry bones and he's in this valley. And I think of our theology as kind of like our bones. They're good, you need bones, but if all you have is bones (laughs) and they're dry, it's a lifeless valley. And so God says to Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? And I felt God saying to me, do you believe, do you think the bones of your tradition can live? And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't know. And Ezekiel says, if you say they can, then they can to God. Mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to have faith that God um, can do that. So God invites Ezekiel to breathe on the bones. And he says, there's this vast army, suddenly there's breath and there's life and there's tendons and there's wholeness and it's this vast army of beings. And so I just have this hope and um, desire and longing for us to be whole people who are living, breathing beings and I think it could just be this beautiful vast expanse of people Mm -hmm. following God with their whole selves. And so that's kind of where this practice stems from. So we're going to do a bit of an imaginative exercise with some of the pieces of that story. So if you would just um, get comfortable in your seat and see if you can align your posture see if you need to drop your shoulders or lift your heart just see if you can straighten and feel the ground beneath you just holding you up and just see if there's anything that you can thank God for in this moment right now even if it's just the chair you're sitting in, thank God for where you're noticing him right now. And let's take a few deep breaths together. Just go ahead and breathe in and breathe out. and breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out and just let your breath return to normal and just see if you can bring to mind the bones, the bones of your knowledge of God, just notice where God might be inviting you to any places where those bones might be dry or broken, and just offer your understanding God. Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to notice about how I see you? Can you help me, God, to loosen my grip on those bones? To thank you for the ways that they support my understanding. But to know that I need more than bones. Just breathing life into those bones. You, God, are the life of my life. I cannot make myself breathe. I cannot keep myself alive. So God, would you help me just to make space right now through my breathing... Observe your breath as it goes in and down, up and out. Notice any places where it might be stuck or any tension in your body, and just send a loving breath, maybe to your jaw, your shoulders. your chest or your back just send a loving breath to those places where you're holding tension right now, where do I need to make space in my life? Where in my active life am I exhausted? Where am I trying for my own effort? my doing things to please others God show me how we can do those things together show me where I can make space in my calendar in my mind and my heart so that my doing in the world from the source of your breath. God, I thank you for this time. You know how hard it is for us to make space. You know how uncomfortable we feel with emptiness, that when we create space, we feel our own empty spaces. So God, would you help us to trust that you will come, that you will meet us in those spaces, that those spaces must exist in order for us to meet with you and connect to the life of our life in our being. Jesus, you showed us how to do that and we see where it took you that it took you all the way to the cross, that you were consumed by the love and the will of God. And so help us to follow you to that place that we might be consumed with the love and the will of God for the sake of the world. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.